Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And welcome to the Carnazada. This week's episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is presented by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for all your baseball stuff. Uh, you know, they just finished the Masters. They did all that jazz. I like to bet. Juan likes to bet. The caveat is we both don't win. So that's why if you go to betonline.ag, it'll, they'll get you set up if you use the promo code BLEAV, which is the network that we're on, B-L-E-A-V, and they will up you with 50% of a bonus of whatever you deposit on the first one. Easy enough, right? Betonline.ag. They are presenting this week's episode. So, Juan, let's just get into it. There was a perfect game in limbo today uh, against the Minnesota Twins, the fight in Minnesota Twins. And uh, the, the Dodgers, they, uh, they actually took the series. They won two in a row. And uh, they, they were out there vibing. Clayton Kershaw was firing in all cylinders. And stopped the car. Dave Roberts came out, seventh inning, 80 pitches, pulled Clayton Kershaw. How pissed were you? You know what? I, I wasn't pissed, and I, I wasn't pissed for this reason. I knew they were going to pull. I knew there was no way they were going to let Kershaw finish that game. Even though, I mean, I was surprised at the number of pitches he had in the sixth inning. I was like, there's no way they're going to let because we've already seen this before. We've seen, and, and that's how much baseball has changed now in the sense that now everybody thinks this way. And that's why it didn't surprise me when he pulled him. I, I, I saw a tweet today, and I think it is a little unfair, but they're saying there's only, I think, one manager. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, base, uh, babyface. There's only been one manager who has pulled two pitchers, not just one, but two pitchers from a perfect game, and it's Dave Roberts. Can I read you the I, stat? Yeah, go ahead. Which, by the way, I don't think it's a fair stat without context, but I digress. Yeah. Since 1901, two pitchers have pulled, I'm sorry, have been pulled from a game after throwing seven plus perfect innings. Rich Hill in 2016 and Clayton Kershaw today. Both of those starts were for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and both of those times the manager was Dave Roberts. Right. And what happened? If you remember that game, Rich Hill was had, had blister problems, and that's the reason why they pulled him. They were afraid the blister was going to act up again. Kershaw has not been built up. Kershaw is coming off of injuries, which is another. Okay. Here's the thing. I, I get it. Alonzo. I didn't have a problem with him pulling it, 
pulling him. But here's the problem. If you think that, okay, Kershaw only threw 80 pitches, that's going to save him. I feel we're already treating him as a ticking time bomb because it doesn't matter. Even if Kershaw did go out there in the eighth inning and let's say the first pitch he threw, he ends up pulling something or all or something like that. Whether he tried going for it or not, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, father time is undefeated. Kershaw is what, what he is. Yes, I would have liked to have seen him go out there and complete the no-hitter. I mean, the, the perfect game. But you saw, you heard. Now, let, let me ask you guys this. Kershaw, after the game, said he was getting tired. Barnes said he was getting tired. Even Kershaw said his slider the last two innings was garbage. I don't know if it was a direct quote, but it was something close to that. I was surprised. He said it was garbage. So if Kershaw doesn't have a problem with it, the only reason why everybody's upset is, and this is why, I mean, the game is about the fans, right? right. The fans want to see the perfect game, right? I know, Babyface, where were you on this? I was texting you, and you didn't want me to break up the no, the no-no. Well, because you knew it was going to happen, but were you pissed? Because I know you knew they were going to pull him. Yeah. In all fairness no. to Juan, though, he, he does have a track record of breaking up no-nos and stuff. So, I mean, that's... I, w- I was waiting for Babyface to walk into the dugout and go, hey, Clinton, you're looking pretty good. I, I think I think you're going to pitch a no For those of you that are new listeners to this here podcast, Roger doesn't believe in jinxes, even though he's a jinx and he jinxes stuff that doesn't need to be jinxed. That's why that's a thing. It's not even a bit that's real. Uh, Are you pissed, babyface? No, I, mean, I knew that there was no way he was going to finish that game. I mean, yeah. he hasn't been built up. It's his first start of the year. They were, they from the beginning, it was five innings, 75 pitches. There was no way he was going to do it. I mean, yeah, everybody wanted to see him do it. I mean, okay, he goes out there. No one knows if he's going to complete a perfect game, right? No, right. nobody, nobody can say that for 100% fact. Yeah, he was going to get it. I mean, he could have, he could have lost it in the eighth inning, he could have lost it in the ninth. So what happens? He goes out there, he tries to complete it. He gets hurt. His last official start, he walked off in the playoffs because he messed up his shoulder. So yeah. you'd rather see him try to complete the perfect game, get hurt. Now you lose Kershaw for, you know, three months, four months, the remainder of the year because he tried to complete a game or they, you know, they looked at the bigger picture was like, you know what? It'd be nice to get this, but we have a goal of winning the championship. And even Kershaw said, you know, if you put that in front of him, perfect game or a championship, he's going to take the championship, right? Alonzo, where were you on this? I, uh, I wasn't surprised that they pulled him. I mean, right away, I was thinking uh, short spring, not a lot of buildup. That, I mean, for me, it's just, it's a no brainer why you were going to pull that guy. And then also you have to take into account, like Roger was saying, there's injuries to think about, right? So it's one of those where common sense kind of kicks in. Do I understand why fans might be pissed about it or annoyed or frustrated with Dave Roberts? Sure. But at the same time, Dave Roberts is protecting his guy. That's fair to me. I mean, that's a job of a manager. They have to protect their guys, be it good or bad. Right. But I'm not overly pissed about it. I mean, I, I actually appreciate Clayton's candor and Austin Barnes's candor that they're coming in with, Hey, you know, I, I I'm tired. What they didn't have good buildup, didn't have any of that stuff. I'm cool with all of that. If I'm being honest with you. So I'm, 
I, I, I support it a hundred percent. And the other part of it too, is again, they were asked, you know, both Austin Barnes and Clayton Kershaw said it was the right decision given the short spring and quick buildup. They're on record saying that. And for me, what made it stand out for me too, that everything was going to be okay. Clayton Kershaw went into the dugout and was high-fiving everyone. Wasn't pissed. Looked to be in, in, a, in a really good headspace. And, uh, and, and usually you don't see that out of Clayton. We also have to remember, this is a guy that contemplated retirement in the offseason, apparently. And this is a guy also that contemplated very really or very, very legitimately not being a Dodger, going home and pitching for the Rangers. So that's a guy for me. Obviously, I don't know what's in Clayton's head, but for me, he's telling us he wants to have fun because this could be the last raw. It could be the last time he's in a Dodger uniform for a season, all that good stuff. And he just wants to have fun. I'm cool with all of that. But most importantly, Dave Roberts is protecting his guy. And I think he's unfairly being villainized in this case and in Rich Hill's case, because we also have to remember that game was in September of 2016 in the lead up to the postseason where you want to have your pitcher be as healthy as possible or your pitchers be as healthy as possible going into the postseason. So for me, I'm, I'm cool with it. it. Would it have been cool, as Clayton said? Yeah. But it's also it would be selfish to want to stick out there for another 20 pitches when he himself said that he didn't know how good his stuff was, that there wasn't any bite on it. But also, what if he gets hurt? And and narrowly, and by the way, this is a guy that also narrowly missed Tommy John last year. And, so, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, babyface. At the time they pulled him, it was still a 3 nothing game, right? See. They didn't go nuts with the home runs until the top of that eighth, or, or was it in the ninth that they hit I, the home no. runs? They had just taken up. Yeah, they were still 3 nothing. So let's say you go out there and Kershaw doesn't have it. And say what you will about the Twins lineup. They got guys there with that one swing of the bat. You get runners on. All of a sudden, you the game is no longer a winnable game. If the if the game gets tied, now you have the opposite. You have people calling for his head. Why didn't he take him out? He's that yeah. eighty pitches. Dave Roberts again messes this mess this thing up. Like now we're losing this game. Now we lost the game. Yeah, I don't think enough is talked about in terms of the fact that. It was still a ball game at that time yes. when you when you make that decision. So that that factors in. One of the other things I want to point out to you guys, the name Corey Kluber. Do you remember Corey Kluber? That is he a pitched uh, a no hitter in April of yeah. 2021. Ask any Yankee fan how Corey Kluber was the rest of the year because they pushed him to have them pitch. Look, I get those arguments. I just don't think this one is black and white. No. Because it is one of those things where I feel like a perfect game is a moment that is so rare and it's so special, and it's exactly what Major League Baseball needs, right? It needs people to pay attention to the sport. What would bring up more attention? I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, Babyface was texting me, hey, you know, look what's happening. I started getting other messages from people. Hey, are you watching the Dodger game? That kind of stuff is all good for Major League Baseball. This conversation that we're having right now, be it as it may, I think is good because people are talking about stuff on the field in baseball. They're not talking about labor issues. They're not talking about off the field issues. They're talking about decisions that are on the game, which is something we've always argued about in baseball in terms of, did the manager make the right call? 
Well, and the irony is what led up to probably Clayton being pulled out is the lockout. That's the irony of it. Yeah. And Steve Kershaw said it, blame, blame the lockout. Yeah. Brett Anderson said that too. Blame the So another thing we could pin on Rob Manford, blame, blame Rob Manford for this. <laughs> well, and, and I, and the spec that, you know, the, the, Hey, but he gave them headphones, so we're okay. That's true. He did. So I think that's a, that's a good payoff. They're headphones. listening to one another. Don't you see the symbolism there? Oh, I see what you did. We're there. hearing each other now. Yes. Uh, listen, there's 20, I think there's what, 22, 23 perfect games in the history of baseball? Something like that. Would it have been special? Sure. Like Clayton hasn't done that yet, at least in the, in the big leagues. Cool. That would have been sick. But he himself said, we're in this for the long haul to try to win. And that offense, you know, that that had been kind of what's the lackluster, for lack of a better term, over the last, uh, you know, since since the season started, um, you know, they've they were able to get some stuff going, and Clay, Cody Bellinger hit a home run today. Gavin Lux hit a home run today. I mean, those are all these are all good things. I mean, here's the thing too: how many times are you ever going to hear, "Hey, my starter went seven innings, got thirteen strikeouts, and"? Didn't give up any runs, didn't give up any hits, didn't give up any walks, and we pulled it. Absolutely. Look, I, let, let me tell you, I, I think this is a celebration because I, I'm telling every Dodger fan, appreciate Kershaw this year. Yes. Because we don't know if he's going to come back this year. For all we know, he may go to the Rangers or he may retire. So appreciate what you're seeing because this guy has done so much for this organization I hope he stays healthy the whole season. I don't expect him to be throwing no hitters no. every time he's out there. But when he does pitch well, if he can give you five, six innings where he keeps you in the game, I was surprised at the number of strikeouts today. And he didn't even, I think he threw his changeup only twice. Yes. This changeup that he's been working on. So if that all of a sudden, I, look, to me, that post, uh, the, the, the post game, was such a, a tribute to who he is in terms uh, as a player because the comments that he said, I'm sure he wanted to stay in the game, but he was protecting his manager. Right. Not only was he protecting Dave Roberts, but also he was putting his team first. 100%. In a team that is built of superstars, okay? These are not you, – you. I don't think you can sit there and look at this lineup – and say it's got complimentary players. All these guys in these lineup are are superstars. Are in basketball terms, feed me, feed me, feed me. Right. And for Kershaw to go out there and make it clear to everyone, I'm going to sacrifice this because the bigger goal is to win in the championship. Now everybody else in that dugout is on notice. It's not you. It's us. So any individual goals that you guys may have, those go to the backseat. It's all about winning games, and you have to love to see that. No, and I mean, if there's one thing we know about Clayton, Clayton doesn't want to lose. At the end of the day, he wants to win. And I, I'm, I've i said this before. I did, The reason I didn't think he was going to go to Texas is because the Dodgers are built to win now. And I know he wants to win another ring, and I get that. Cool. He already has all of the individual accolades and like, no offense to Reggie Jackson. I saw his tweet. I, I, ha I have to respect Get him, him. Alonso. Get, him. To, Get him. I have, well, I have to respectfully disagree because I mean, I agree with him. I, I think that baseball people that have never played 
shouldn't necessarily have the input that they have to a certain degree, right? With like everyday players. I, I agree with that. However, this is common sense. The dude... For, for those of you who don't know, Alonzo, let them know what Reggie Jackson said. So I'll read the tweet. He says, uh, Clayton Kershaw, perfect game, 80 pitches. Take him out. What the... And I assume he was going to say something else. What's the game coming to? One of the era's best, and you take him out with a perfect game in the seventh. 7-0, Dodgers winning. I don't recall it being 7-0, but whatever. Take him out. This is this is baseball people that have never played get out of its way. Again, if you've listened to this show, you know I don't like sabermetrics. You know I don't like all that stuff, but that's also where the game is. And the other thing, too, is Clayton Kershaw, from the way it sounds like, it sounds like if Dave Roberts would have came out and given him the option, it sounds like he may have also agreed with leaving leaving at that point, too, because he just – both of if him and, and Austin Barnes are on the same page, that's all you need to know. And even in that, Clayton Kershaw praised Austin Barnes that he, you know, that's something that he's glad that he was able to do up to that point with Barnesy because it, it's a special thing, right? So again, I, I understand why people are going to be quote unquote outraged, but at the same time, I also know that the end game here is they want to win the World Series. So why risk it for a game in April that may not as you know that, that you're still building up after a lockout? to maybe pitch in the postseason. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree no, with I, you. I, 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 no, because, but here's the thing. All right, to be clear, the Dodgers took a 6 nothing lead in the top of the eighth, but the right. decision to pull Kershaw was made at the beginning of that inning. Right. So before the Dodgers scored the three runs in the eighth, the, Kershaw was already done. Uh, Babyface saw it. He was, uh, what was he? He was untying his shoes, right? Babyface, that was the shot that they had. You can't have a pitcher tell a pitcher you're done and then you're going to change your mind in the middle of the inning. Say, hey, you know what? Why don't you go back out there? Right. Kershaw had already. Look, you, you heard it from him. It was just it, I, I get it. I'm one of those guys that tend to romanticize the past. But I have to sit here and go, look, guys, what is the point of complaining about what is the game coming to? Yeah. This is the game now. This is how the game is played. We are no longer living in, in a span where Juan Marichal and Warren Spahn are going to throw 200 pitches each in an 18-inning game. We don't live in that era. I mean, Nolan Ryan tried doing this when he was working in the Rangers organization where he was trying to get the pitchers to go longer in games and to throw. And even Nolan Ryan couldn't get the Rangers to, to get that 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 program into effect. This is how the game is now. So I just think our energy is better served focusing on the accomplishments of these great athletes than complaining about the fact that why didn't they let Kershaw go out there and pitch his, mind, uh, pitch his, his arm off? I, I, I know this is a different situation because of the spring training and because they weren't stretched out. But right. remember when Josh Beckett threw the no-hitter in Philadelphia? Yes. That was pretty early in the season. I think that took a lot because he went well over 100 pitches to throw that no-hitter. Well, and I mean, again, Kurt, I mean, if there's one person that knows his body, well, it's Clayton Kershaw. So for Clayton to come out and say, hey, I was tired, what didn't build up correctly because of everything that happened with the lockout, I'm cool with that because that's coming from the horse's mouth. He's also reciprocating the protection to his manager, like you said. 
And I appreciate that because I am on record saying that I think Dave Roberts gets villainized unfairly when at the end of the day, this is a dude that has managed this clubhouse that I, in a way that I don't think any other manager could have managed this clubhouse. That's not even talking as a Homer quote unquote, or because this is a Dodger centric podcast. This is coming from someone that understands the dynamic of a clubhouse and Dave Roberts has beautifully and masterfully done that. He knows what the expectations are of his guys. The guys know as well. It's a two way street, right? But that goes to show you the respect that Clayton has for Dave Roberts as well, because he knew what was going to come. He knew that. And that's exactly what happened. How many people, how many people do you think called for Dave Roberts jobs? Unfairly. It it, it was ridiculous. Babyface, Did you want to come in on something here? I keep seeing you chomping at the bit. No, I was just going to say, if this game was two weeks from now, you know, he continues and he prob- probably gets the perfect game. I mean, he was he was yeah, as dealing. long as, I as, mean, as, long you, as you keep Hanley Ramirez away from the infield. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He probably gets that perfect game. I mean, you can tell a little bit towards the last inning or two. You know, I think he had like a three and two count in one of those at bats. So he was kind of starting to tire a little bit. You could kind of see it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in two weeks, two weeks from now, I think I think he gets the perfect game. You know, he's not tired. He was dealing the whole day, the whole game, and you know he he probably gets it. And last thing on this, and then we'll move on. I think Clayton handled, like you said, that press the, the post game presser beautifully, because he was candid. You could tell in the, in the dugout that he was having fun, and for me, I think that's the most important thing about like how you said for us to appreciate Clayton, have fun with it, right? Because the, it, who knows what the future holds for Clayton? I, I've well, never seen him the way he was today in a game. Never. Never, never. And, and and that to me makes it seem like he knows the end is near. Yes. What do we know about Clayton's future? He's going to be in Cooperstown. He's first ballot Hall of Famer. If he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer because of that writer's bullshit, swear to God, I will burn something to the ground. But yeah, if he doesn't get 100%, dude, just swear to get God. rid of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, There's at no that point, point, I'm going to begin a campaign of abolish the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. sorry, Josh Rowledge. Like, that's, that's just dumb. But um, friend of the podcast, by the way. Exactly. But, but uh, as as we move on, did you last, expect? Oh, go last, ahead, Roger. Last thing though, yeah. I mean, you, you got to feel bad for Alex Vesia. I mean, when he came in, he was like the most the most the most hated, <laughs> hated guy hated, in the world, hated person. Yeah, he was like just booed almost out of the stadium. So everyone, yeah. everyone, and, and what sucks is he was booed by the majority of Dodger fans because yes. if you looked at that stadium and those stands, all I saw was Dodger blue. Yeah, it was a uh, it was barren of Twins fans, and I hey. What I mean, and the thing is, is Dodgers fans travel well. So what, I guess, yeah. what do you expect, right? Uh, as we look around, though, uh, I, I owe I owe Andrew Heaney an apology. Um, I, I referred to Andrew Heaney as a project, as most uh, as most uh, folks did. Andrew Heaney, if you're listening to this, you're probably not. But I owe you an apology. You're clearly not a project. You had your shit together, and you threw a wonderful game. So four innings. Uh, I can't remember the rest of the stat line, four innings. And I think it was seven K's something like that. Hey, my bad, bro. But I thought you said you were going to wait until his next start though. Just to, well, listen, I have to give him credit where credit is due because I can also rescind my credit. I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, if I mean, here's the thing is, is he went out and had a solid outing. If he can continue those solid outings. Hey, I have no problem being wrong. His official line is a is four and a third, and he had five strikeouts. Yeah, he had one. He gave up one run, and uh, that run was bad luck because if if Trey Turner doesn't fall down, 
he turns that double play and he gets out of that that inning and he probably might end up getting the W in that game. That's right. I forgot about uh, Trey Turner's uh, slip, shall we call it. Um, Why did that infield look different? Did it look different to you guys? Did they do something to that infield to uh, try to keep it dry? It I think so. I think they gray and they, dark. They make this, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like, it's almost like a clay that they put yeah. on the dirt to help. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I'm sure that was a contributing factor because it's like more gritty. It's not as fine. Um, but, uh, but either way, man, I mean, listen, I was worried about, the Dodgers slightly after that Colorado series, but then I also had to take a step back and remember they played in Colorado. So anything is possible because a dude could go just hit a three run bomb and then the game completely flips on its head. Um, But I feel like this, you know, these two wins in Minnesota with, like you said, the lineup that they have a Carlos gray, right? They have bangers in that lineup, Byron Buxton, you know, all these guys that, that can bang. And they were able to, to, for the most part, keep that offense really quiet. I mean, they only got two runs in the whole, in the two game set. That, I feel like that's, that's a huge W going into the series with the Reds, uh, the, op- the home opening series with the Reds uh, tomorrow, the 14th. So by the time you're listening to this, you're going to be listening uh, for Dodgers opening day. But from the weekend set in Colorado, what stood out to you, Juan? Well, what stood out to me is that the Dodgers very easily could have taken two out of three out of Colorado, and maybe the panic wouldn't have been as big as it was over the weekend because if Freeman's ball gets out, the Dodgers win that game. The Dodgers win it. I mean, Freeman hit it to the deepest part of the ballpark. In Colorado. In Colorado. I mean, that ball just, it goes over, and the Dodgers win. Look, there was a lot of the defense wasn't very sharp. It, they just looked sloppy in that series in Colorado. And now after seeing how the weather was in Minnesota, Alonzo, now I'm just kind of sitting here wondering if maybe what contributed to the Dodgers sloppy play in Colorado was the weather, the elements. I mean, Sunday's game was ridiculous with the wind yeah. and all the adventures there. And it was uh, cold. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, what stood out was, Gonsolin wasn't terrible. I thought for sure he was going to get lit up in Colorado, and he didn't. Bueller wasn't his sharpest, but that's what great pitchers do. Right. When they're not, they don't have their A game. They adjust. They adjust and they get through it and and they win. So the Dodgers could have very easily won two out of three in that. Uh, What concerned me was the offense a little bit in that Colorado series. Mookie looked like he was missing pitches that he shouldn't be missing. Like Mookie looked like he was swinging through pitches. And so that concerned me a little bit. These last two games in Minnesota, uh, I'm hoping are signs that these guys are, are getting their timing. I think we'll, we'll know more when they come back to Dodger stadium this weekend, but look, let, let's talk about it. Urias on, on Sunday. Uh, I would like to chalk it up to the fact that Urias hasn't been stretched out yet. I know everybody is freaking out about his velocity. Uh, I wish we could have Rafael on the show right now because all the comments that I heard, I get, I, I don't know. Has Urias, is this confirmed? Urias has now become a vegetarian? Because I, I don't know, know he's that. lost a lot of weight. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, our friend Rafael wouldn't surprise me if, yeah. if he's changed that diet to that. I, so I'm I keep hearing comments that he, he has changed his diet and he lost his weight. 
Right. He lost the weight. And, you know, Mookie is a guy who changed his diet, too. Right. And I, I would like to think that he, the, the hip is more of the issue for Mookie. Yeah. And I want to see how he recovers from that. But if Urias, if the combination of the weight loss is a factor or the fact that he's coming off of a record high number of innings last year and this might affect him. I, I, that's something to keep an eye on. But for the fact that Dylan Hernandez of the LA Times already wrote an article <laughs> do, saying Julio is, is busted, it's over for, for this poor guy, I think that's a little premature. But for me, the biggest thing in that Colorado series was Julio did not look right that whole game. He did not look like he was comfortable at all. What did you guys see? So uh, back to the Clayton point, I think a lot of all those things has to do with the lack of buildup. I'm I'm not going to use the lockout as a continuous scapegoat, but it was also the first series of the season. So so I think a lot of it was lack of you know buildup because you didn't have the same amount of prep time and reps and all that. Did they have enough to to you know for the most part get ready for for a big league season? Sure, yeah, but there's still an adjustment period, right? So. So I, that's kind of what I attribute that to. I don't, you know, the, the velocity thing, I, I don't know if it was. Yeah, you're a former pitcher, Alonzo. What what could, tell me, what could cause his his velocity to be down? So, I, I, I mean, the velo thing, I, I think it could be more or less the lack of buildup, right? You know, he didn't get, you know, once you get into camp, the kind of, I don't want to say with, with baby gloves, but obviously, you know, that you get into your routine. You know, you have your throw day your side session day, bullpen day, all that stuff. So it could be a combination of the two. Like with Clayton Kershaw, for instance, the dude even said he didn't pick up a baseball until January. So you throw in a lockout and then, you know, some of these guys had their entire routine thrown about. And you're also starting in one of the more difficult places to start a season in Colorado. So, so I'm not overly worried about that, but if it continues on, you know, for let's say, my litmus test with starters in general after spring training is about five. So at about five is kind of where you know where a guy's at and you need to know what you kind of have to tweak for the most part. There's some guys that just figure it out. Clayton Kershaw, you don't really have to do that. Unless you're worried about some sort of an ailment, don't really have to do that with a Clayton Kershaw. Tony Gonsolin, obviously still getting major league innings in. You keep an eye on him. You work on stuff. Walker Buehler, don't really have to do that. Everyone kind of knows Walker's history. Julio Diaz, is a bit of an interesting conundrum because, like you said, this is the first time that he's come out after this workload that he hadn't had before, and it was going to be interesting from the get-go anyway to see how he would respond to all of that. I don't think this is a, a, like a cause and effect thing, you know, right now. I think it's just lack of buildup. That that's just ultimately what it is, because to go from I'm going to go throw in a spring training game in Chandler tomorrow. To, I'm going to go throw a big league game at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Two different things. So I'm not overly worried about it. I'm not going to nitpick it because at the end of the day, it was also his first time. What about you, Roger? So I'm going to chalk up that start to being in Colorado because that's not one of the places where Julio has traditionally pitched very well. Um, looking at some of his starts in his career, uh, three innings pitch gave up three runs. Four innings pitch gave up six runs. Um, so a lot of starts where he's gone, you know, three or four innings, you know, giving up, you know, three or four or more runs in Colorado. So 
I'm going to chalk it up to that, you know, the, the short buildup. Um, so I think, I think his next outing, you know, we should see something more Julio like, you know, if we don't, then, you know, we can start, you know, peeking at other things, but I think I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna chalk that up to being Colorado. No, I think and, you're right. Dude. You know what, Alonzo, guess who's going to have a front row seat to see how Julio is on Saturday. Uh, that would be uh, the uh, two of you. Yeah, Babyface and I will be there on Saturday. So if anybody's there at Dodger Stadium, come look for us. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a little meet and greet with you guys uh, at the stadium. So look look for the, the Bleed Lows guys uh, at Dodger Stadium. Babyface and myself will be there. And, we're, and you, uh, know we're, who, you know who else is pitching that day, right? Who? L.A. Loco, Hunter Green. Oh, oh really? I didn't realize that was the matchup. I thought that's that was a Sunday matchup. Oh, that we, that's a good game to go to. It is. Uh, we do plan on trying to go to uh, to a handful of games this year. So when we do uh, make those plans, you guys will be the first to know. So uh, you guys can have a meet and greet with Juan Ramirez um, because he is obviously going to be the most uh, noticeable face in that stadium. Uh, shout out to our friend Alicia, Alicia Del Valle, who uh, couldn't join us, by the way. She's uh, she's under the weather. Uh, she She's at the I.L. She's on the IL. That's actually she's trying to state. she's trying she's trying to get ready for opening day uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. What, by the time this episode drops, it'll be opening night. That's true. So, so for today's game, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I almost said deal, but I had to stop myself because I know that that we don't use that term anymore. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. IL. <laughs> it's the IL. Um. But uh. But either way, shout out to her. Hope you're feeling better. And uh. And we'll see you. Uh. We'll see you soon. But. Uh, speaking of that series for, for, or I'm sorry, first series, I, can I tell you something though? I am pleasantly surprised by what Gavin Lux has been doing. Just yeah. quietly coming out and doing the thing. I also have to say Freddie Freeman, all things considered, looks pretty comfortable. Yeah. And especially for a guy that, I mean, he spent the first, what was it? 10, 11 years in Atlanta and, you know, is a legend in Atlanta. And is, is just coming over here to this clubhouse with a bunch of superstars. And it's just like, all right, yeah, I can do this. And uh, damn, man, I mean, it's, I think, oh, again, we already discussed this. We knew that there was going to be a slow start to the season. We, we expect that. So uh, all those like red flags for some people, I'm not overly worried about because at the same time, it's 162 game season. But think about that for two seconds. Just the small sample size that we've gotten of this Dodgers team. If, if, all cylinders are firing. This is a preposterous team. And, and you know what? It, it's funny that you say that, Alonzo, because we got glimpses of it in these first two series. Yes. Where all of a sudden they score five runs in an inning. You know, I mean, today is a perfect example. The last game against the Twins, you had the seven, eight, and nine hitters go back to back to back. And you're right about Gavin Lux. To me, Gavin Lux, at every at bat this year, uh, he has it, just been a really good at that. Whether yeah. he's ended up getting a hit or not, he ju- he looks in locked in. He looks engaged. I know uh, Howard Cole is very happy that Cody Bellinger hit a home run today. I mean, not only did Cody Bellinger hit a home run, but he also got a double. He got so, on base three times. Yeah, so hopefully, you're absolutely right. I mean, when Muncie hit that home run today, it really felt like Muncie had been he was just missing. Right. He, I mean, he was, ju- he was so close. There's something. And then when he hit that home run, it just seemed like something just clicked for him. They, uh, I mean, you could say also facing Chris Paddock and Chris Archer 
uh, might have been a difference for, for the Dodgers. Uh, but their approaches in Minnesota in very, very cold weather uh, was much more, I, I felt, sharp than it was in Colorado. So I am encouraged uh, by that. Um, at this point, I think if you can get five innings from Gonsolin and Heaney, with the way the bullpen, to me, the way this bullpen has been pitching, Blake Trinan made one mistake, and Connor Joe made him pay for it. And you just got to tip your hat at that point because you're a major leaguer. Blake Trinan, after the game, regretted the pitch selection. He probably shouldn't have gone with that. He hung it. Connor Joe just, he got all of it. Yeah. But other than that, I think the bullpen has been very, very good. So that's the perfect recipe for me. If you can get Heaney and Gonsolin with five and Bueller, Urias, and Kershaw can give you six, I, I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, the, the guys that have given up the most runs are Julio Urias, Evan Phillips, and Walker Bueller. Uh, Julio Urias leads that race with six. But I think that that's kind of an inflated number to chalk it up to what Roger said a minute ago. It's Colorado. Well, and you also had three unearned runs in that inning because if Chris Taylor makes that catch, he gets out of that inning with no runs. But still, I mean, it's if, if, you know, again, you're you're talking about a series in Colorado. So it's one of those where you kind of, for the most part, it's either going to be no, you know, very few runs or a bunch of runs. That's just how those series go. Um. And I mean, and, and you know, and the other thing that's kind of you're you're starting to see him kind of get into a groove as well, because we we talked about being curious about this. Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell had 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 those outings. He he looked to you know he looked a lot better than that debut in spring training. Yeah, and um, and that's a win, right? I mean, you got to take those wins where you can, especially when you kind of know that you know the Dodgers. I'm sure themselves will never come out and say they expect a slow start because that's just not what you want to say. But when you kind of see all these puzzle pieces floating together, that's kind of just the general expectation, but it's also a marathon. So for me, as long as they can kind of keep putting those pieces together, they have guys coming back from injury slowly. I think it's a win all around. Uh, one other thing too, in Dodgers news, before we, uh, we, uh, we start to wrap this guy up, uh, the MLB PA and the uh, and, and MLB, have agreed to extend Trevor Bauer's uh, administrative leave until April 22nd. So we won't know anything there either. Uh, so that's just kind of where that's at. So I'm curious. To see uh, okay. So, so Alonzo, I mean, yeah. Babyface and I were talking about this off the air. Explain something to me, because now this is starting to get really odd to me mm-hmm. that they are taking so long on this. Could they be looking at something else that we're just not aware of? They did not press charges again. The the LADA did not press charges against Trevor Bauer because the evidence wasn't enough in their minds for them to get a conviction. Right. So to me, that tells me there is something there. There, It just wasn't anything that was, you know, that they sealed that they could get a conviction on. Is that what Major League Baseball is doing? Are they going up to Trevor Bauer and saying, okay, yeah, whatever, you're not getting, they're not pressing charges against you, but you still did this. Because he did did try to get her text text messages be released, but the judge declined it. So other than that, what is taking Major League Baseball so long 
to come up with a decision. I, I mean, for me, it just seems like Bauer was trying to get those text messages to show his case, to prove his case, to be like, look, this is what happened. Is there something else that Major League Baseball has that we just don't know about on him? I don't know if it's necessarily something else. I do know that MLB emphasized uh, last year that, um, you know, the code of conduct, that's, you know, the, the new kind of culture officers that are implementing all that stuff, um, you know, that all MLB and club personnel will be held accountable for inappropriate conduct, regardless of seniority, rank, stature, all that jazz, right? <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure they're looking at, at a little bit of everything, right? Uh, I, it, would, it would be unfair for me to speculate that they're, you know, looking at if that was a stall tactic or whatever the case may be. Because obviously the legal proceedings, it sounds like, um, you know, obviously there's endless appeals for the most part with the conviction, but he wasn't convicted. So I don't know if there's a holdup of some other kind legally that we're not aware of. As far that's as I know, point. everything's been unsealed. But, um, point. but I mean, the, here's the thing that stands out to me. MLB and MLBPA just ran through a, a bitter, bitter battle. Like it was a gnarly battle, right? For them to come to terms on something like this when they were, you know, litigating labor disputes and all this stuff, to be able to kind of come to an agreement that, hey, we have to extend this because of X, Y, and Z, that for me, that's a huge standout point because MLBPA could also just be like, nah, man, like I know you're already paying the guy, but you need to reinstate him. It could just be that black and white, right? Because he wasn't convicted. Well, maybe they'll work out a deal now because they have headphones. So they'll be <laughs> able to hear each other. Um, Tony Clark will appreciate that comment. Um, you know, it, there, there's all these weird kind of, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to it as the marine layer. Like, you know, in LA, the marine layer that, you know. The you famous marine layer that kills all the home runs at Dodger Stadium. See, where you don't see everything above what's going on, right? I think this is kind of a situation like that where they don't necessarily want to also be transparent because of other, other things, potentially. We don't know, but I do know that if MLB and MLBPA are coming to terms on extending someone's administrative leave after this gnarly battle where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I don't know if that necessarily means that they're going to suspend them for a certain amount of time. Cause I do think it's, I don't, no matter what, if they would have already told Trevor, Hey man, this is what's coming suspension wise. If there is a suspension, we don't even know that they would just, they would have just announced it and then they would have let him appeal. Right. And MLBPA could have appealed it on his behalf. But the fact that they're still coming to these extension agreements, there's some, there's something there. I don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. Obviously everyone's being tight-lipped about it, except Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has openly already said, Hey, we moved on from this. You know, this, this is my story. This is what's happened. Yada, yada, yada. Because again, it could be, it could be something is just a matter of fact of just like, Hey, we were just, we kept doing these extensions because we didn't, we, us between MLB, you know, spearheading all this stuff, couldn't come to an agreement on how long these suspensions should be. So I don't know. I mean, I know that's a giant word salad, but it's a giant word salad of, I don't know. And, but for me, the significance of it all is MLBPA and MLB are still coming to an agreement on something when they just went through this long, nasty battle that they very easily could have been like, nah, all right, we've, we've, we've already made enough concessions. We're done. Babyface, what do you think? Um, I'm just thinking it's another, uh, 
going to be a situation of Manfred just uh, putting his foot in his mouth again. I mean, it's going to, to me, it's like Manfred just doesn't know what to do. I mean, I was honestly surprised that they extended it again. You know, we talked about this off air. I didn't, I expected a decision this week. Once I didn't expect this at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought we'd have something by now. I mean, it's been, you know, how many months, you know, and then now that since they've been back, it's been a month. I mean, a year and a half, be. right? It's been almost a year and a half. Well, no, it's, it's going to be like, since it all went, it would happen like in July, right? When he got suspended. That's year. right. That's right. The lockout has me. Sorry, so, the lack of headphones. So, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't probably talk about anything. Maybe, I don't know, prior to the lockout, I don't know, who knows. And then since, since the lockout ended, they've had about a month, maybe. So I don't know. I mean, I, I keep thinking Manford doesn't know how to handle this. Um, you know, and I keep thinking back to the Asuna case with the Braves. I mean, you know, Asuna pretty much got off pretty free, you know, different scenario, but you know, there's video of him choking out his wife um, and pushing her down. So, I mean, that's pretty hard to argue when there's video, you know, okay. and, and, and he pretty much got, a, I mean, he didn't, he didn't get a slap on the wrist. They just said, okay, you served some time last season and here you, here he is playing. And, you know, I was asking you guys, what was the reaction of the fans and his team? I mean, I heard his teammates wanted him back. So, I mean, I, I don't know how if the Dodger teammates want Bauer back. I mean, that's, you know, you'd have to take a, you know, a poll on, on how that is within that clubhouse, but, it's, you know, I'm just waiting to see what happens, you know, in these two cases. Well, now with the Bauer case. Well, and, and yeah. one thing, too, before I forget, from a legalese standpoint, while Bauer was under investigation during all that, you know, the, the, the stuff that came out, it was actually in June. So we, we were kind of close. We were all off. Uh, they uncovered. So Major, Major League Baseball has done their own investigation or is still doing their own investigation into the Bauer thing, right? Yes, because, I mean, the, the other thing, I don't know if they're looking into this, is, is, you know, they uncovered those core records from a separate woman in Ohio that it sought a, uh, a temporary order of protection in June of 2020. So, you know, I, and, and that was from a case like in 2017. So, I, you know, again, there's so many like moving parts here. And, and I know that, again, to, to Roger's point, it's kind of hard also not to argue that Rob Manfred's going to, for lack of a better term, fuck this up because look how he handled the Astros thing. So it's there's so many examples of how they, they've mishandled things as well that anything is possible. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we talked about this last week. I still think that Trevor Bauer – they're, the Dodgers are, are, are probably didn't make any moves. This is just assumption, of course, because they expect Trevor to come back. Right. And and I feel he's open. He's talking about it publicly because and the fact that he hasn't been charged with anything. If Major League Baseball does level some sort of suspension on him, oh, they're gonna he's going to look like a martyr. Yeah, he's going to look like. Major League Baseball is making an example out of them, and I can see why there would be a delay in terms of how they're going to handle it because they already set precedent with what they did with Osuna. Now, Osuna had video. It was clear-cut what he did. Right. With, with Bauer, it's, it's not as clear-cut. So that's why, for me, it, it's like... Do they did they come up with something in their investigation on their end that is that the public doesn't know about? And that's why they're taking so long 
to, to make a decision on this, because now I'm starting to think as a Dodgers organization, how do you move forward? Because yes, maybe they didn't make these moves because they're anticipating Bauer to come back. But if they're going to keep pushing it out another week, another week, let's say come the all-star break and Bauer, you still don't know if Bauer is going to come back or it gets close to the trade deadline. What do the Dodgers do? Well, I mean, at some point, if they know that he's going to come back, you know, they, they obviously have to put out a statement of some kind, right? Um, well, because they're going to have to make roster moves, right? Yeah. To make room for him. Yeah. So, so I mean, if, if someone is pitching well and you move him or someone's going to lose a spot because you got to make room for Bauer, I, I, I just, I feel the Dodgers are in a really bad spot. No, they're not in a great spot, no matter how, how you look at it, because the PR component, you know, obviously the roster component as well. And truthfully, we don't even know how, you know, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of speculation and, and, you know, innuendo that, uh, that, that has been said that the, the players don't necessarily want him back. I, we don't know how true all of that is at this point, but I mean, be that as it may, everyone's kind of dancing a fine line around it because it's still one of those things where there's, they keep extending it. Right. And there isn't really an explanation as to why they're extending. They just keep saying they're extending. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how it pans out myself, because again, to your point, if they have to make a roster move, who gets moved yeah. I, or who gets DFA, who gets traded, who gets sent down, whatever. Um, you know, it's that th those are all very real, you know, implications, but I mean, you know, it, it's an uncomfortable situation, no matter how you look at it, because I, I Unfortunately, this is one of those where I don't think anyone wins. Even if the Dodgers no. were to go on to win on the field with Trevor Bauer, there's still just going to be people that don't like the guy because yeah. of, of, of everything. And I mean, it's just a no-win situation. It sucks. Uh, but moving on to greener pastures, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have three against the Reds. Four. And, or four, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting that. Uh, I keep thinking today is the 14th. And we've yeah. see what you've done. See what you have done. Four against the Reds. And then three against the uh, defending world champion Braves, uh, and then there will be a meet and greet at uh, in the center pavilion, center field pavilion on Saturday, with uh, Juan Ramirez of the Bleed Los podcast at Dodger Stadium. Uh, your it comes included with your purchase of tickets. The Dodgers don't know about this. Year. That's right, and Babyface will be with me, and he will be there too. Um, but I, I'm curious to hear from you guys because I won't be able to get to a game for a minute because of you know adult work obligations. Um, how excited are you guys to get out to a game for the during the opening series of a homestand? I'm I'm actually excited. I'm starting to feel it now. I'm starting to get excited. I'm starting getting into the swing of things. It's really nice, man, to be able to watch a baseball game every day. And now I'll get to go to Dodger Stadium. So I'm I'm actually super excited and. I, I, the way they played these last two games in Minnesota, I'm encouraged. Hopefully, they're going to start getting into the swing of things and they have a successful homestand. Um, that being said, I, I do think they're going to split with Cincinnati. Uh, and that series against the Braves is going to be, uh, as the kids would say, Alonso, is going to be lit. Uh, the pitching matchups, Kershaw, I think, is going to pitch more than likely probably to open that series. Yeah, either yeah, I think open, let's see, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I think he would open that series. So Kershaw will be there and I will be there at Tuesday's game against the Bravos and Bueller will hopefully be pitching that game. 
So I'm, I'm hoping that the Dodgers take two out of three uh, from Atlanta. So I'm predicting uh, that on uh, this next stretch of seven games that uh, the Dodgers will go four and uh, four and three. Uh, also, Jackie Robinson Day on Friday, April 15th, uh, for those of you that are attending. On and, Apple TV. Yes, on Apple TV. And uh, and two two things, Maury Will's uh, bobblehead night. Uh, Will Smith has a bobblehead night on uh, Monday the 18th. So if you're there at that game, hopefully Will Smith hits a bomb because usually that's how it goes when you have a bobblehead night. Uh, Roger, how do you feel about getting back to the ruby? I'm excited. I mean, it's going to... It's going to be, I think, a, a good homestand. Um, that Brave series is going to be, you know, just more stuff like keeps getting added to that. Like, you know, the return of Kenley, you know, the Freddie Freeman facing his former team, you know, uh, Ronald Acuna, you know, talking smack about Freddie Freeman, you know, which he said he didn't, but, you know, translator said, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. That's what he said. Um, I like how you say that. He said he didn't, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's good, good to be back. You know, hopefully club ravine is pumping, you know, after each home stand, I mean, after each game. Um, I, and not only that, Roger, you forgot the return of Matzik. Oh yeah. 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 Because yeah. homeboy has yeah. been shooting his mouth off about yes. the Dodgers. Yeah. He's about, he, he, uh, he, he's uh Chris rocking, uh, yeah. rocking it yeah. up uh, against the Dodgers. Uh, and ironically, we have a Will Smith on our roster. So if they exactly. want to get it, wouldn't it be uh, great if Will Smith slapped Matzik? Yeah, like I know. Sla- I know. Freddie Freddie doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, kudos to him, by the way, for just openly talking about it too when he was on MLB TV the, or MLB uh, Network the other day. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I thought it was kind of funny. I have to admit, I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I don't get what the big deal is, honestly. I mean, baseball has all, if Freddie Freeman is a red ass, join the club. There's a lot of red asses in baseball. Personally, yeah. Honestly, to me, it's just like, why can't baseball be fun? Why does there have to be so many unwritten rules? The whole eye black thing to me is just silly. In the sense, if a guy wants to go ahead and do that, then let him go ahead and do that. I I mean, look, I I told you guys this off the air. Kike Hernandez used to sit in the Dodgers dugout wearing a goddamn banana suit. So it's just like, come on, man. I I mean, we're really going to get upset about this. It's a kid's game. Let them have fun. Yeah. Yeah. If guys go ahead, like. The Minnesota Timberwolves, after they beat Babyface's Los Angeles Clippers of Los Angeles, they celebrated like they, like they just won the NBA Finals. Hey, you have a problem with that? Try being a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves when you don't win anything. So you get a chance to win and you celebrate. I, I'm all for having fun. If you think it's fun, you go ahead and do it. I, I just... <clears throat> Maybe I, I I don't know what was I'm not in that locker room. All right. I know is you're you're right, Alonzo. I don't think Freddie Freeman is going to revisit this. No, I know a bunch of people are going to ask him when the Bravos come into town. But Freddie Freeman to me is a machine. Yeah. He's just going to go in there play his game, and, and that's that. So I don't expect Freddie Freeman to do anything, but I do expect the Bravos to run their mouth when they well, come in here. And listen, uh, at the well, end of the oh, go ahead, Roger. Sorry, I'll just say it real quick. I mean. Uh, you kind of expect it from, I mean, the Braves, okay, they have these rules, no eye black, no covering up the A, no no long hair, no earrings. I mean, come on. 
their announcers got pissed when the Dodgers were taking batting practice in shorts. So come on, you, yeah. you should, we should expect <laughs> this already. You know, we should we should know that. Okay, they have their rules. You know, they're a little different. So. Well, again, you know, it, it, you know we, we talk about the old heads and the new heads. We talked about Reggie Jackson a minute ago, right? Now well, we're talking about the Yankees with the no uh, beards. Nah, no beards. Rule. It's like, come on, man. And, and, I, and I understand some of its prestige. Like, you know, when I worked in the game, it's you got to dress nice to fly, all that stupid stuff, right? To me, it's like, dude was wearing red bottoms. I am a shoe connoisseur, as you guys know. Uh, I like nice things. If I saw some dude wearing red bottoms that you can clearly tell are red bottoms because the damn shoe is red, that's a nice shoe that I personally would never buy, but that's a nice shoe. So why is that such a big deal? You know what I mean? So, so and again, Ronald Acuna, if, if that is and true that Ronald Acuna is also starting beef with, wait for it, Freddie Freeman, then that's a problem in itself. Yeah. So, so again, I, I, I kind of, I, I like how Freddie went about it. And he just addressed it, kind of said his side of it. And it's like, and I just don't want to talk about this again. And you know what? Kudos to him. Because at the end of the day, I don't understand why that's such a big deal, right? Because you mean to tell me that I know that they're pissed as well, that Freddie has said what he said about how free agency went and all that. But if we've learned anything about Freddie Freeman, what does he have to gain by lying about that? Yeah. So he's just putting out the truth. There's no narrative. The truth is, the money you were supposed to give to Freddie Freeman, you gave it to Matt Olson. Yep. And and you can't you argue that. You and you didn't tell Freddie you were trading for Matt Olson. Yeah. You can't argue that either. So for me, it's like I understand this tradition in the game. You know, we protect the prestige, all that jazz. But uh, but it is what it is. But on that note, uh, I actually agree with Juan's prediction. By the way, before I forget, uh, for the for the week, four out of three. What about you, Roger? I'm gonna go five and two. <laughs> of course you did. You <laughs> know, you? I, I I just got a hey, glimpse of hey, Babyface's strategy on the Price Is Right. Yeah, he's the guy that when you go, I bid five hundred dollars, and then Babyface comes in five hundred one. Yeah, five, he's nickel and diamond. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I we should keep a tally. You once Alicia comes back, so that way we can kind of put out the the stats. Because at the end of the day, this dude, this is also a guy that has the Dodgers versus the Dodgers in the World Series. That is true. Yeah. He's also not someone that should be using Bet Online, who's presented this episode of the podcast. But if you want to bet online, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. They presented this podcast, and you can find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights. I like MMA. I like boxing. I know Juan likes boxing and even next season's futures for all that stuff. So don't forget that also MLB is obviously back because we just talked about a series. So you can go in and make your bet for the world series. So I don't know if they'll let you do Dodgers versus Dodgers, Roger, but if you go to betonline.ag, you download that, you can try that. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas and casino sports games, poker games. Jeez. So it's super easy. If you use the promo code Believe, the network that we're on, B-L-E-A-V, you'll receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy. Go uh, go check out our friends Bet Online who presented this podcast where the game starts. Again, huge thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast. We would really appreciate that. It'll go huge. Uh, rate, review, follow, all that stuff. Roger, you had something. What would you raise in your hand? So, no, you can't bet on Dodgers versus Dodgers. Well, if, if it's not going to be Dodgers versus Dodgers, I'll go with my other pick, Dodgers White Sox. Will be kind of Dodgers versus Dodgers with Joe Kelly, you know, Grandall, uh, you know, um, Paul, you know. So 
Do you, uh, Juan, do you, do you know the term, uh, mental gymnastics? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what we just saw right there. That's a, that's a perfect. He meddled in it. No, he, he did. He it. did. He, he, if there was a world championship and or Olympic medal for mental gymnastics, Roger would have meddled in it consecutively for at least three or four Olympics, at least. Absolutely. Um, but if you want to make that bet, go to betonline.ag. <laughs> the Dodgers versus the, the Dodgers versus the Dodgers, kind of, because it's the White Sox. But uh, again, we really appreciate you guys. Wouldn't be here without you guys. So thanks again. But we will catch you down the road. And don't forget, go find Juan and Roger at the game on Saturday, the 16th, at Dodger Stadium, Club Ravine, Baile Ravine. And also, don't forget about our friends in Mare- Los Mariachi Los Toros. They're going to be there for opening day tomorrow, the 14th. Today, the 14th. God damn it. Why did we do that? <laughs> now it's got me all confused. They'll be there opening night. Opening night at opening Dodger night. Stadium. Mariachi <laughs> Los Toros, the official mariachi band of the Bleedlos podcast. Yes, the official mariachi of uh, of the Bleedlos podcast for Violet Ravine. But on that note, we'll wrap it up. Thank you guys again, and go Dodgers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.